The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. All right, we're live. Excited? It's better be good. Were you watching Dennis the Menace? Yeah. All right, I understand. Live audience was um watching Dennis the Menace, so I mean that's, that's important stuff. Yes. That's that new? No. Okay. All right. I I'm Bill Amadeo from McManus Amadeo and Gravel Associates and the Six. Do you like the fact there's three things there? Like two cool. jobs and then one click. Yeah. Ay ay ay, guys, gotta get some content done. Josh Strickland's going away on vacation or something like that. I gotta rush some uh, content, so we gotta get some stuff done today. I'm, I'm not, I've, I've been off today a little bit, right? You've been on point, though. No, you're good. Are you sure? Yeah. Alright. Live audience says I'm good. So I wanna send a couple shout outs. One to Ashley Duplessis for winning it on murder trial. Wow. She won a murder trial. Awesome. I was, Ash, I was going to say you killed at the murder trial, but that would be a little, you know, pun of words there. So nice job there. Ravi Guwerfi winning three prelims in one day. Joe Abera, the six. I think the six is going to be like an ethic violation for me. Is going to make that like I'm a gang member or something? They'll, they'll try. I don't know, man. You know, it was weird. I was in the gym the other day, and I tried to do one of the Jim Chronicles. Do you follow the Jim Chronicles? Yeah, I saw them. Okay, good. Because you should watch them. Yeah. It's like my version of TikTok. Right. You know, and in Washington, they're all Democrats at the gym. <laughs> and somehow Bill Clinton's name comes up. And, and I made a joke which I thought was funny. People took offense to it. They were talking about Monica Lewinsky having an affair with Bill Clinton and all this other stuff. And uh, I knew some of the people. I said, what did you learn from this? I said, well, got to be careful what you tell Linda Tripp, right? <laughs> Linda Tripp has to be the worst friend in the history of civilization. I mean, no, not maybe the worst. But she had to be top ten. Mm-hmm. God. Anyway, and um, I saw a guy at the gym with an eight ball jacket on. It made me think. You know the eight ball jacket? I think I've seen it. <sighs> um, on Seinfeld, yeah. Putty wore the eight ball jacket. Okay. okay, guys, back in Atlantic City. The eight ball jacket was the thing. People would walk around with the eight ball on the back of a jacket. And I gotta tell you, I thought that was weird. But back then, you are a poor geek white kid from the hood. You know, we, we couldn't wear the eight ball jacket. And I knew one day things would turn around. When I the eight ball jacket was gonna be bullshit. And I was right. It happened. So when I see people in Washtenaw County. At a Planet Fitness with an eight ball jacket. I, just, I, don't, I don't know. White guy with an eight ball jacket leaving Planet Fitness on a hot day. Yeah, it's just a good look, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Anyway. <coughs> I, I can see your head shaking there. So much. We're going to talk about Cindy Lauper a little bit. And the 1983 album, She's So Unusual. We're going to break down four songs. I'm going to tell you, Cindy Lauper. From a Jersey kid. We admired Cindy Lauper. You know, and it was funny. 1983, I'm a little tight, right? 
1983. Here's this girl, this poor girl from New York, who's living with her dog Sparkles, who's struggling to survive. And it all came together for her. And that album put her on top of the world. Then there was the rock and wrestling connection. Cindy Lauper is beloved in New York and New Jersey area. My mom, who was a semi-pro professional singer, loved Cindy Lauper. My aunt, who was involved in the acting industry, they used to sing Cindy Lauper songs. And one of the first tapes I remember was "She's So Unusual." And there's four songs we're gonna break down from there, and I'm gonna tell you my viewpoint of it as a child. Mm-hmm. And my viewpoint today. Lessons I've learned. And I, I think Cindy Lauper's way ahead of her time. Are you a fan? No. No, you don't like her? I mean, I don't dislike her. Because she's a Democrat? I don't know. I just don't know her. Is there a Democrat you like? Yes. Oh, okay, good. Good. And then we're talking about COVID taxes. I gotta tell you, man. During COVID, text messaging got really weird. And they got extremely weird in Wayne County Zoom courts. Because I was doing my Wayne County docket, right? And what happened was people were getting desperate for work. And they needed more lawyers in Wayne. Because Wayne is so backed up. So people from different counties would come to Wayne to do work. And have you ever had the situation when you're texting somebody and you're talking shit about them but you text the person by mistake? Mm-hmm. Bill's an asshole and you sent the bill. I remember. There are a few of them, right? They're pretty good. Yeah. We won't mention names because yeah, we... we're, we're above that here. We no. actually we don't mention names here. No. But we talk a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll. I save every text message I've ever received to my detriment, I think. Mm-hmm. But I, I have them all saved and I, I pulled up some hot mic text messages, yeah. we call them. And that'll be interesting. Find out like who was into you, who wanted to see your demise. Yeah. Was fascinating some of the things that came in hot mic taxes. You gotta watch those group taxes too. Because yeah. you know, like when you have that large group tax, you don't realize somebody's on there and you, people get shit talked about it. It's just sure. bad stuff. Alright, let's let's start with Cindy Lauper. What's up, Amber? Uh, the first song on the album was Money Changes Everything. And Cindy Lauper is talking about breaking up with this guy, right? She's got somebody new who's waiting in the car outside for her. And then she says how money changes everything. It's a powerful song. Really powerful song. And as a child, you know, you're not really, especially being really young, didn't really catch on where she was going with this one. But you learn as years went forward how clicks change, right? And social economics plays such a vital role. One of the things I'm really proud of, I mean, I'm extremely proud of this, and you correct me if I'm wrong. While things have changed in my career, Mm -hmm. and money has changed, I don't think I've changed. And I see people change when they advance with social economics. Mm -hmm. I remember losing girls to the guy who had more money. You know, and that was a painful lesson at that time. Law school, we all know about that one. Well, you know about that one. They, they've heard bits and pieces. Right. But, you know, it does change people. I mean, money is necessary, right? We need money to live. We need money to thrive. But 
to pick somebody solely based upon socioeconomics, that always blew me away. And your character is not changed. Right. And I don't think it has at all. I mean, it's great not being broke. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome, man. I am so happy. <laughs> Scott Grable. You were a prick when you were broke, and you're still a prick, so I agree with you. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, very nice. Good to see you jump in on that one. Scott Grable was, um, he was mocking me today. Yeah, which nice. was, yeah, it was, um, that was hurtful. I kicked so much ass for Scott Grable this weekend. Yeah. He's going to be shit on the phone. Scott, I never knew you when you didn't have money, but I will say that since I've met you, you have consistently been a prick as well. Scott Grove just said, shout out to Drew. <laughs> Live audience yeah. says, what's up? So money changes everything. It's really talking about Cindy Lauper's evolving. This is what we learned from Jersey years later. She's moving on. And she's leaving somebody behind. And money's playing a role in that. And it, it's powerful, right? Yeah. When you think of it like that, it's like, shit. I don't know. I never understood the whole dynamic. I mean, I've always listened. Prior to getting married to Jewel and all that, and Jewel could attest, I've never had a woman pay for anything for me. Mm-hmm. I've always been the gentleman, picked up the tab, whether it was a friend, whether it was a romantic relationship. But when I saw people come in and flex their muscle when you were poor, it was, um, was kind of humbling. Mm-hmm. And now that you're able to be the one that flexes, I just think it's an asshole thing to do, but I wouldn't want somebody just strictly on money. It's an attribute, right? Security and all that. But I mean, she was really about leaving somebody behind, and it was about moving on based on socioeconomics, and uh, kind of felt bad for the guy. Girls just want to have fun. Um, you know, that was just a fun song, right? And it was a dance song. I still remember Aunt Mary and Mom dancing around. Girls just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. It put her on top, right? And when I look back today, and Amber, you are far from worthless, my friend. When I look back today about girls just want to have fun, I think every girl... And correct me if you think I'm wrong here. I think every girl's got to go through a wild stage. Every girl has to grow up and experience life. And I think what Cindy was saying was, hey, I just want to be me, whatever me is. She was unique, she was different, she was weird. What gets me about people in relationships, and I never understood this, because insecurity is a hell of a thing, right? When I look at girls just want to have fun, and I see Cindy Lauper who was trying to make it to the top, mm-hmm. and then years later I see the song True Colors, or I Drove All Night, it tells you how, hey, I'm evolved, I'm a different person today. And there's this amazing scene in Chase Naney where Silent Bob said, and it kind of makes me think of Cindy Lauper, you ask about the ex-boyfriend, you don't want to know, but you have to know. You don't have to know. You should never judge somebody based on their past. It's just, you know, it's a bullshit thing. But I do think every girl needs to go through that phase where they just want to have fun, they want to learn, they want to have to learn from their own mistakes. You know, they want to just be a kid. 
And when I look at that song today, it was a fun toe tapper and it's cool to listen to the car, but she was free. She was carefree and she was just wild and just being herself. And it evolved into something big. And the thing that was so powerful about She's So Unusual, the album, here's girls just want to have fun. Here's money changes everything. And then we move on to what I think is the most powerful song on the album. One of the most powerful songs of all time, in my opinion. Time After Time. Time After Time is a heart-wrenching song. And I will try to post these later. I know I'm not good at that, right? So I'm going to post it on the Time After Time. When you're a kid. I remember my aunt one time listening to it and, like, crying. And I didn't quite get it. I'm not giving up on someone. You know, Cindy Lauber's talking about how I love someone, and I just want to make things work. And maybe it can't work, but I still want to have your back. And it's such a sad but powerful song. Right? And if you fall, I will catch you. I'll be right there. God. But you gotta look at this woman, right? On one track, girls just wanna have fun. And then you flip into time after time. And I think time after time is something we could all relate to. I think sometimes in life, we give people too much of the benefit of the doubt. But what that song was saying, you've earned my trust. You've earned my respect. You've earned me. And no matter what, I don't want you to lose that. I thought having someone's back. And it was really, really powerful. The last one we're going to touch was All Through the Night. You know, and how did all these songs come on this one album, right? Because, I mean, this is a powerful stuff. But All Through the Night... It's a battle within yourself, right? And I think we all have this internal struggle. I always look at it like this. No matter what we got going on in life, we have to be able to like who we see in the mirror. When we don't like that person, we gotta fix it. We don't throw in the towel, we gotta fix it. And on through the night, it's like life is the night. And you're trying to cope and get through it the worst of times doesn't like the end of the tunnel and um just always was connected to that song you know and it's interesting listening to that song as being a broke kid from the hood as opposed to being a lawyer in the suburbs when I heard that song in the worst of times I could feel the pain in Lauper's voice and think you know maybe one day knock on wood and when I listen to it today I'm like wow I remember that it's like humbling I think at the end of the day no matter what our Google searches tell us how much money we got in the bank or what cases we want or all that happy or shit it really does come down to what your chemical makeup 
And I think that's what Cindy Lauper was really getting at with that album. And with Girls Just Wanna Have Fun, it was her letting loose. Those other songs were about powerful, painstaking situations and being able to overcome. Being able to look your enemy in the eye and say, I got this. And to me, Cindy Lauper was always inspirational. You know, she was just different. And uh, yeah, 1983, that album, She's So Unusual. And listen to the title, She's So Unusual. She's basically telling the world, hey, I'm different. And it's cool. Because I want you to think about the shit she may have went through in high school. Yeah. She wasn't the prom queen. Pretty woman. But she didn't look that part, right? Talented. Overlooked. Internal struggles with herself. So much shit was carried in that woman. And her story, read about it. Read about when she left home. Read about her and her dog Sparkles struggling to eat. Read about the only thing she loved in this world was her dog and trying to hang on to her art. Damn. Too impressive. So. Cindy Lauper, I up on a Google search because I tagged you in this. Thank you. Let's talk about Hot Mike, Texas. We've been there, right? In fact, the live audience used to always have to check my phone. Remember those days? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I think in some of these text messages, I was honored, flattered, stunned, pissed off. Now, have you ever been shit-talking about someone, and for some reason... They text you. Somebody's talking shit about you and they text you. And I'm going to go back to Detroit, circa 2021. And may Danielle Cattery rest in peace. But me and Danielle used to have so much fun with idiots texting mm-hmm. on Zoom calls. So we'd be in Zoom, right? And there might be a hundred cases in Wayne County. And you're just waiting there all day. And we're not, we don't even know how to do Zoom yet, right? <laughs> the, the mute button's being right. screwed up. We're running to the bathroom. The inception of Zoom was a pretty unique time period. And there was also a lot of change in prosecutors' offices. Prosecutors became defense lawyers. And some of them became court-appointed lawyers in Wayne County. And I gotta tell you, that was fascinating, my friend. And going from court to court, I was the recipient of several text messages that were not meant to come to me. And, you know, the responses to the interceptions are unique, right? So I'm going to tell you a few text messages I got. And I'll tell you what I said. And sometimes I didn't say anything. Don't want to be an asshole, and sometimes they're like, oh, "Hi." 
here's um here's the first text I got. Hey Mary Valentine. First text I got accidentally in a Detroit Zoom. Oh wow. Dot dot dot. It's B Amadeo. Dot dot dot. Okay. I would do him, but let's be real. Would he stop talking about himself during it? And I responded, um, I think you meant to send that to somebody else. Good response, right? I don't, that person never texts back. Ah, text two. Well, 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 what a shock that Amadego has this one. Get ready for some drama. Well, of course I was defending somebody in Detroit, and it was a high-maintenance case. No, and it was a former prosecutor that sent this text, and he clearly meant to send it to somebody else. And I responded, hey, how have you been? Text number three. This was a shot at my Facebook Lives. Look who won a prelim. I guess we'll hear about that on Facebook Live. And I responded, tune in tonight, exclamation point. <laughs> Group taxes. That's when things got a little weirder. See, because in group taxes, in this one particular group tax, which I call the Jersey Idiots, because they're all Jersey people, the group got too large. And people started getting really weird. And they didn't realize, after the alcohol kicked in, who exactly was on the tax. So, this group grew too large. They're all drunk. And uh, this combination, you stop paying attention. Until somebody has that popcorn moment, right? And a guy will just call Brad says, Yeah! That's why I hooked up with his girl in college. <laughs> you get in the psychology mode and the other guys, his insecurity kicks in because Brad didn't realize that Tony was on the text message. So then you contact Brad directly like, hey, dude, listen, I know you were talking shit about him and hooking up with his girl back in college, but he's on that text. Brad's drunk. So he starts... You're trying to put out a fire? What you did was you threw gasoline on that shit. It didn't go well. But then we had the Cooley text messages. This is a bunch of lawyers in a text all from Cooley, right? And let me tell you, I have... When I text with Jim Crotty, Adam Cartwright, and Jeff Owens, it is good stuff. But there are some other people I will engage in text messages with, and it's not good stuff. Mm-hmm. This is when intellectual texting goes wrong. Now understand something. With the Jersey idiots, they drank too many beers. They talked about hooking up with girls from college. The intellectual texts, this particular group, it's a bunch of lawyers who have not fulfilled their potential. So they're drinking scotch they can't afford. And they start discussing older stuff and you learn things. 
here's all I could say. If somehow you cheated on the bar exam, you shouldn't put it in a text message. And I'm not going to be the one to report you, but be careful who's on those messages. Then I think of the Shiawassee texts. Shiawassee texts, let me tell you, is there a Democrat in Shiawassee? That's why you love Shiawassee so much, right? Yeah. I love you, Chi-Town. But my God, are you guys Republican. Good people. <laughs> and when the Shiawassee group texts are drunk, they really start talking shit about the Dems. Good people. And it's a fun type of taxing, right? As opposed to the Washington group taxes. These are all Dems. And they're talking shit about the Republicans. And I gotta tell you, Washington, guys, love you. But I will tell you, the abortion taxes I've been on chains with, as opposed to the affirmative action taxes I've been on chains with, holy shit. I mean, guys, listen. It's not always going to go your way on every single thing. And I, I always said this, and I love you, you know that, right? Yes. But when a Republican doesn't like any Democrats, and a Democrat doesn't like any Republicans, I'm concerned. I'm so middle of the road. You know the joke, right? I'm too conservative for Washington, I'm too liberal for Shiawassee, I guess I'm doing something right. I think I'm the Republican Party's dream. Poor kid, attractive lawyer, became a star. I think the Democrats are like, hey, just give us money and vote for us. Right. <laughs> I mean, both you guys gotta, there's gotta be a meeting of the minds. Mm. Now, one of the things I've done lately is I've done some prosecution for the Department of Health and Human Services in Lenaway County. And I'm also a defense lawyer. So the best thing I can tell you is this. When you are in group taxes, what you say in jest to defense lawyers, you should not say in jest to the department. This is like two different senses of humor, right? You know? Don't say to a group of people working for the Department of Health and Human Services, haha, those fuckers think they're going to get 25 years from my client, watch us see the shit I pull. They'll be offended by it. Don't say to a group of defense lawyers, you're going to make that respondent parent pay. I guess the moral to the story at the end here, whether it's a bunch of drunken people in Jersey, frustrated lawyers in Wayne County, intellectual failures from law school, Shiawassee peeps, Washington peeps, Department of Health and Human Services defense lawyers, the most important rule that my friend Joanna Raggio told me and may Jerry Daly rest in pieces. Know your audience. So, to the Democrat friends of mine out there, I will not make Republican jokes today, other than the Linda Tripp thing, which I think is pretty funny. To the Dems, no Republican jokes will be made. To the Department, I'll try to keep my defense lawyer commentaries to the defense lawyers. To the defense lawyers, let's just pretend I don't prosecute anything at all. <laughs> and to the misguided Wayne County 
text messages. The only thing I can say is, hey, other than Tiger King, we got something funny out of COVID, right? Alright. I am Bill Amadeo. And that's the live audience. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for being here today. We're done. Have a good night, guys. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. You know, tonight, I'm so burned out, guys. I got to the gym at the ass crack of dawn and I've been working and I have seven courts and People saw me in prosecutorial roles today. Very weird, man. They, um, somebody said to me, you were brilliant in Lenway today. Thank you. If Celeste writes a script for me, I can read literacy, man. I'm on top of that shit. Anyway, tonight, we're going to talk about parties throughout the years. And we are definitely going to offend some people tonight. And my brain is fried. And I know certain people who will go against me in court tune in. And I want you to think. What is this guy likely to say in front of a jury? Mm-hmm. Depends. I want to kick it back. Um, I'm going to mock myself through some of this. We're going to mock other people too. There will be um. Nobody will left be un- Nobody will be unscathed tonight. Does that work? Unscathed. Is that a good word? All right. Live audience approves. I want to go back to St. James. <sighs> What an asshole, what a group of assholes, what a time St. James was. Grammar school. And this is when you start learning about parties, right? The grammar school parties. And we start when we're all friends. We're all cool. You know, like when you're in first grade and stuff, you don't understand what cliques are. You just don't like each other. And then we learn about cliques. We learn about the social hierarchy. And I remember not getting invited to certain parties. There was this one kid, Mike Chait. Oh my god. Mike, you've heard me talk about Mike Chait before. Mike Chait thought he was the coolest kid in the world. He basically kicks John Paxson's ass, not to get his ass beat. And Mike Chait for years told people how he beat me up in 8th grade. And Mike... Brow lesson, man. Look at the scoreboard, pal. I hope that 8th grade story got you a lot of ass over the years. I'm sure if you beat Bill Amadeo up today, it'd be something to brag about. Yes, I defend all sorts of people. Detroit, Michael. On that note, the 8th grade parties were fascinating because you didn't know people were drinking and smoking pot already, right? So you get these idiots at St. James that they thought this person was cool and that person wasn't. They used to have all these crazy parties by St. James standards. And you just kind of were the onlooker. You weren't invited to this party, and you weren't invited to that one. And from an early age, you felt like an outcast, right? And I knew even in 8th grade, shit was going to change. And boy, did shit change. Freshman year at AC High, I remember going to the freshman dance. Now I'm a white kid from the hood going to the dance and I thought at the dance you wore sweatpants. I was wrong. And people are laughing at me and I'm poor and this and that and it was really 
it sucked. But then in high school, we didn't have a car. So when all the Margate and Ventnor kids were going to these parties and socializing, having sex and smoking weed and doing drugs, all this happy horse shit, I was back in the hood. And junior year, without a vehicle in our house, I just wasn't going to any parties, obviously. Number one, I wasn't invited. Number two, we didn't have transportation. And it all changed junior year. We won the state championship at mock trial. I want you to think about who's on this mock trial team. We got Elliot Geller. He is the rabbi's son, and he thinks he's the second coming of Christ. We got Ben Payloff, the intellectual, who's got hair like Sideshow Bob. Yeah, I think he's a professor at U of M today. Scott Neustadter, who became a great producer. Lori Seropoulos. All these Margate kids and me. And we win this state title. And everybody's invited to this party in Margate. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, I finally arrived. Now understand something here. Here's where race and social economics come into play. Growing up poor, we lived next to Pitney Village. And when people were getting killed in Pitney, they were partying in Pitney. And these were all black and Hispanic kids in Pitney. And you'd hear the music blaring and them having a good time. And while it was a war zone, my idea of a party was like dancing and music and this and that. So now we win the state championship at mock trial. I put on a suit. I think I'm looking good. I go to this party in Margate, take two buses to get there. I'm like, oh my god, I arrived. And this, I realized I wasn't missing shit. I'm seeing these Margate kids dance on the piano and eat cheese and crackers. Now I'm thinking... I saw partying in Pitney Village go on, and now I'm seeing partying with the Jewish kids in Margate. And this is a very different dynamic of what a party is. Um, and then they get out the wine, right? The Margate kids start drinking a little bit of wine. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. And it was at this point, at the age of 16, I learned, if I'm sober, I'm always going to be in control of everything. And I got to the point where I thought I was the smartest guy in the room anyway. But now, being intelligent and sober, holy shit, I could study people. And as a little bit of liquor went in, a little bit of truth came out. And these people would be, like, giving confessionals. And I thought to myself, man, if I drank, would I be this stupid? Stay tuned. Community college was different. Community college, the best way I could express Atlantic Community College at the time, is you had a bunch of people that weren't in the four-year schools. I remember I went to Atlantic Community College to play travel baseball, work in the casino, and uh, support my family. And the people at these parties, they were, like, angry. I think at the end of the day, they knew they weren't going anywhere. So they would drink and smoke weed and stuff like that. They were bitter about life. And they went to about one day we're going to get to the four-year school and this and that. And it was um, it's just an agitating group. Stockton, things would get different. Now I'm at a four-year school. And let me tell you, 
at Stockton, they partied in the late 90s. Holy shit, did they party. At this point, I'm becoming kind of cool because I'm like the bartender in the casino and I'm getting great grades and I got the, like this flair about me a little bit and, you know, all the stuff of being a geek growing up has kind of subsided and now I'm at these Stockton parties and I was looking at things very differently because I was dating older women that worked in the casino. So the college girls were kind of a joke to me because, I mean, I, I learned a lot of stuff from older women when I was dating that was like, whoa, okay, there's a difference between girls or between women. So the college girls would be partying and they really thought they had the world by the balls. And in college parties, they were like this. There were fraternity parties. Which, um, I think today, if you go to a fraternity party, they probably charge you with a CSC six years later, right? Um, but there were fraternity parties. There were the academic parties. These were the intellectuals. And these were really unattractive people, the intellectuals. They would be talking about, you know, literature and shit like that. And they'd get really upset if you knew something more than them. Because you got to think about something. When somebody's whole identity... Is academics and now here comes the cool guy who's actually smarter than them I mean the script screwed up they would get really bitter but they wouldn't get violent with you at these parties they would just get drunk and self-hate each other that was the literature department at Stockton in my opinion um, there were the jocks these parties heavy beer keggers these guys thought they were going to be professional athletes. Uh, if you're playing at Stockton in the 90s, you weren't going to be a pro athlete. But, you know, they scored a lot of jersey chasers there. And let me tell you, the women at Stockton that were chasing the athletes, that was like the girls that coolly try to chase lawyers. Okay, you're fishing the wrong pool. Um, <laughs> Chris Foster, I want to... I'm going to tell you a story later. I'm going to drop something in. I'm going to be very careful with it. Um, after Stockton, I'm trying to get into law school. And it was a rough run. The dyslexia was a complete bitch. And the Tropicana parties were really fascinating. The time between college and law school was a very weird time of self-reflection and growth for me. I'm working in the casino. I'm a shop steward for the union. I'm taking the LSAT. I'm taking extra writing courses. And you start hanging with different things. And I realize at this point of life, people really need it to click on to something. This is how cults are formed, guys. And I've done it all, okay? Let me be clear. Father Sullivan was a role model to me. He was! I know! He was an asshole, but he was a role model to me. So I would go to the religious parties. Now let me tell you something. Whoa. You want to have a bunch of self-loathing assholes there. Flipping out who knows their Bible verses better and... Wow. And these guys, when they would get some Johnny Walker Black in them, they would really talk shit about society. They were like in their own little world. There were the failed athletes. I was one of them. I went to those parties. 
Okay, so failed athletes, what they like to do is have like fantasy baseball trips where doing lines of cocaine. And I'm just sitting there like, I'm the sober one. <laughs> Watching failed athletes in South Jersey party. It was like watching a train wreck. You didn't want to see them wreck, but you couldn't really look away. Then there was this one bachelor party at the Alki. I won't get into specifics, but Mr. T showed up. There were strippers. There was Mr. T. It was crazy. And I'm sitting there with Scott Zolber, may he rest in peace, and Henry DeHedeville. My friend, my best friend. And we are like these three straight laced guys watching strippers dance on the pool table. Mr. T's coming in screaming. The Mr. T bachelor party, and I won't mention names because I know people are watching, that was memorable. But it also made me think whoa, what the hell's going on with life? But there was nothing quite as cool as wedding parties. In South Jersey. And if you haven't been to South Jersey, let me tell you something. They look for reasons to celebrate. It's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving party. The wedding parties were the worst. Because what you had was... Basically this. You got a woman... Who has now settled for a guy... Who she feels is beneath her. But she feels her biological clock is ticking. So she marries him. And she's mad about it. He quite often was marrying up based on physical attraction, but he's also lazy. And he's pissed off that he has to marry her, but he also realizes he's not going to get anybody as good looking as her. So these two miserable people form this union, and they celebrate it. And you're sitting there, and everybody's asking you, oh, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? And um, I remember at 26 thinking to myself, I am not going to marry a woman from New Jersey. But the wedding parties were really fascinating. The Tropicana parties were a whole different ballgame. Let me tell you something. You ain't seen a drug house till you see the Tropicana party in the 90s or early 2000s. Oh my god. And I'm saying this being completely sober. I can tell you today at my age, in my mid-40s, I've never drank. I've never had a cigarette. I never smoked a joint. I never did a line of coke. I never did heroin. Never. Straight edge for life. And I'm watching this shit just go down. And even today, I love buying people drinks and watching them talk. It is like a case study for me. Tropicana parties were fascinating. And now, understand something. I'm going to use the Pitney Village Margate dynamic now, okay? Think about this. I saw parties at Pitney. I heard of parties in Margate. Now, I had experienced parties from Tropicana in the Union, and now I go off to Cooley. Cooley was fascinating. Oh, my God. You had a group of assholes that thought they were God's gift to the world. Preserving law school. Here is the funny thing. The Cooley people look down upon the working man and woman. The MSU law students 
looked down upon the Cooley people. The University of Michigan law students looked down upon the Michigan State law students. The Ivy League law students looked down upon the U of M students. So understanding this hierarchy, I'm a Cooley student. So in this concept, if you would, I'm bottom of the barrel. And I would just think to myself, well, we all take the same bar exam, so who gives a shit? But that's not the way they thought. So at Cooley, instead of being angry, right? Because here's my thought at Cooley. The hell with the MSU student. Screw the Michigan student. And I can't wait to see the Ivy League asshole in court. No, no, no. We didn't stay together. We separated. At Cooley, you would have the Book Award people. And they would party and pretend they were smart because their dream was to be like an intellectual at MSU. And I can tell you, being an intellectual at MSU, I give you $10 and a Starbucks coupon and you'll be good to go. My God, what were they thinking? And then there were the fail jocks at Cooley. They were, I was on the rugby team and did all that happy horse shit. Then there were the village green parties. Ever walk through Village Green, circa 2004 to 2007, take a whiff of marijuana when you walk in. I never smoked pop. I had to be high just by walking through that shit. Those parties were fascinating. And you didn't jump parties, right? No, no, no. You didn't jump parties. You were in one click or the other. So because I was in no click, I just kind of went to different things. And I was like, Jesus Christ. There was this one Village Green party... It was an intellectual Village Green party. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, right? <laughs> okay. Village Green is the apartment complex, and the Cooley intellectuals are there. And there was this one guy who swore he was going to be a judge. And I'm not bullshit when I tell you this tale. He swore he was going to be a judge. That was his thing. And he had his second, I call him, his wingman. And they took this wingman shit to heart, right? The wannabe judge would always be the better looking women than his hype man. And his nickname became the judge. If you know who I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about. So people would start saying to him, hey judge, how are you? And I'd be really confused. Like I'd see people call this guy your honor. I'm like, why are you calling him your honor? We're in fourth term evidence class. He didn't like that. Because, well, I'm going to be a judge. Okay cool his hype man took things to another level he'd be at these parties right and i swear to you i'm not bullshitting when i say this the hype man would walk in first he'd go hear ye hear ye here comes the judge now i'm sitting here a child of atlantic city man these assholes have smoked some really unique drugs because i mean why is he going here yearly and accepting the fact that he has to date less attractive woman than the guy who's a wannabe a judge? Which, by the way, neither one of them are doing shit today in the legal field. But this was cooly parties, man. And I thought to myself, the law school parties, these had to be people, right, that weren't cool in high school. So, you know, now they got to be cool for this short three-year period. I don't know. 
trying to hook up with some girls at MSU because you're a Cooley Law student. Eh. There were 1,250 people in my first term class. There are 15 of us that I've counted that have been successful in the field of law. Ladies, you were fishing in the wrong pool. But I will tell you, there was this one great Cooley party. Lucky Boy's Confusion, my favorite band of all time, came to town. Man, I'll tell you, I got tickets, which was a hardship back then. Now, I went with four people, and these were four very diverse people. And this is one of the things that's powerful about Lucky Boy's Confusion. I know Lucky Boy's Confusion, I know LBC, has never got the commercial acclaim of Yellow Card, or Jimmy Eat World, or Blink-182, but Lucky Boy's Confusion would put people together that would never be in a room together by choice. Three people I could not stand and myself decide to go to this concert. And it truly was one of the best experiences of my life. And I could tell you this. When I say best experience, it was just a fun time. Stuby and the crew were amazing. It was one of my funnest law school experiences. And the power of Lucky Boy's Confusion was the three assholes I went with, I never liked them before the concert. And we never hung out after the concert. But during the concert, we were best of friends. And after the concert, we were cordial to each other. Because what LBC did that night was absolutely amazing. You're a law student, busting your ass. And with me, it felt like the pressure of the world was on me, right? My Aunt Mare, may she rest in peace. Not being a successful lawyer was simply not an option. I had to get through Cooley, I had to pass the bar, I had to practice multiple jurisdictions, I had to support her. There, there was no other option. It was that. Success was the only option. And these people, who I didn't like, very different backgrounds, but the music really brought us all together. And we're in the mosh pit and we're hanging out, and that was just amazing about Lucky Boy's Confusion. It could bring, they could bring people together that would never want to be in the same room. And when I see one of these guys in court today, he's a prosecutor, we've had some vicious battles, this individual and I. And every once in a while, we'll be going over a case and just think back to that moment in 2006 when we went to go see Lucky Boys Confusion together. And that was the coolest law school part I ever went to. Um... Wasn't much there, though. As a lawyer, parties became in different flavors. And you learn that life never really changes, right? You know, in high school, the rich kids had their parties. The poor kids had their parties. In law school, failed athletes, the burnouts, the intellectuals. Now here we are in the real world. So what happens now? The civil lawyers have their parties. The criminal defense lawyers have their parties. 
the wills, estates, and trust guys and girls. They go to their cliques. At the end of the day, we all become products of learned behavior. I will tell you this. I've been to those criminal defense parties in Lansing. And I've been to them in Ann Arbor. Let me tell you the difference. In Lansing, they're banging back the Bankers Club gin, house gin. In Ann Arbor, it's Beef Eater and Tangeray all day, or Bombay. There's more zeros behind the parties. There's bigger money. But it's the same shit, man. We don't really evolve. We don't really branch out. We find the click we're comfortable in. We find that little pool. We try to have some teeth in that pool. And I'll tell you. I can look back at assholes like Mike Chait in grammar school and say, okay, well, we're not there anymore. And think back of the horrors of high school and the struggles of community college and the college drama and the battle to get in the law school and then the law school parties and the real parties now, the real world. We're in our mid-40s. We're banging heads. We're fighting like hell for our clients. Well, some of us are. And I sit there and I think to myself, huh, I get invited to the most prestigious parties you could ever hope for in the state of Michigan. And when I go, I try to find a quiet spot and text people I enjoy talking to. Because those parties that you have to go to for political purposes, not real, man. It's just all fake. We're all part of this game. I think one of the cool things about me is I get it. I don't give a shit. If I gotta go for political reasons, I'll go. Like, understand why I'm there. The parties of the law field are the parties of life. It's varsity. Everything else was JV. And what I would recommend to people, sit back, stay sober, and just people watch. And you will learn so much from all this. I went from a point of being bitter by not being invited to parties to saying, man, I wish the guy didn't have to show up to this thing. Socialization is an interesting dynamic, guys. But at the end of the day, whether it's religion, whether it's a clique, whether it is money or power or sex or whatever you want to spin, all it is is people desperately trying to belong and fit in. I think the good thing about the outsiders like myself is when we weren't accepted in our youth, we don't give a shit about being accepted today. And that makes the study far more enjoyable. That's all I got tonight. Have a good night, guys.
The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.